वेलकम टू सिंटॉक Sin talkers around the table today discuss the vacuum as a bubbling place. We'll try to understand whether empty space is really empty. If there is indeed such a thing called nothing, why is there something rather than nothing? What happens when nothing exists? We'll touch upon concepts like Casimir effect. Is there a link with temperature, magnetic fields? Force at a distance will travel up to upper atmosphere and study philosophical and theological implications and concepts. We are pleased and privileged to have Professor Sunil Mukhi. Who's a professor of physics specializing in string theory, with interest in areas such as culture, art, and cooking. Professor Kuruvilla Pandikattu, who's a Catholic priest and has worked in physics, philosophy, and theology, and is particularly interested in the dialogue between science and religion. And Professor R. V. Reddy. who works in the area of upper atmosphere sciences and is a plasma physicist and is working in space plasma he is from the institute of geomagnetism professor mukhi maybe we set the ball rolling with you um to understand how you think of empty space both at both from a quantum physics standpoint at very 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 small uh, distance scales and then maybe as we go along we'll get into different time scales what mm-hmm. is vacuum to you yeah so actually i think the you know the simplest way to think of vacuum for a scientist or a physicist probably any kind of scientist uh is the reference with which we to which we compare anything right. so if you if you have something what does it mean to have something you should know what it means to have nothing then compared with that you can say what something is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you know an, a box which is empty versus a box which is full of things yeah. the empty is the reference the full box or the box with things in it is is something you want to talk about mm-hmm. so it, in that sense the vacuum may not be very interesting that was the usual the usual idea is that vacuum is not interesting it's is just is there such a thing as absolute vacuum then no so for uh, for many different reasons there isn't okay Uh, and that's a, that's a whole. Uh, so, in fact, maybe Professor Reddy will first talk about the vacuum of outer space, and then I can, uh, from the science point of view, sure. later talk about the vacuum uh, in 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 uh, quantum field theory, right? Which is uh, which, uh, as far as today, is sort of our ultimate understanding of that uh, right. from the science point of view. Right, right, right. So it's really an ab. This all I want to say is it's an absence. How ideally you can ach- how ideally you can achieve this absence is is still an open question. Mhm 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 uh kuru would you would you agree with that conception what is vacuum or emptiness or nothing from a philosophical theological standpoint and when one says that god created the universe out of nothing 
um, what exactly does that mean? And see, would you agree with that statement to begin with, obviously? See, actually, you know, let us start off from a very simple theory. Yeah. The Aristotelian philosophy is very close to Newtonian physics. Yeah. Their things were very simple. You have either this uh, something or nothing. Right. And from there, you know, that famous quote from uh, Heidegger, uh, why is there something rather than nothing? Yes. So there is that uh, dialectical or... Uh, opposition between something and nothing and that is what our common sense really tells us yeah now comes uh, physics quantum mechanics okay coupled with the theory of relativity and that has shattered our common sensical understanding of space and time and also of this something and nothing yeah now it is up to us to learn from the quantum mechanics and then apply these concepts to our philosophy and to our everyday life. But Guru, when we say that there is nothing, is it also nothing in time or is it it's nothing only in space? See, when or it's I, not as simple as that, obviously. No, it is also not as simple because the early biblical writers, uh-huh. like the Hindu scripture writers, they never could think of an absence of something. Yeah. They were actually thinking initially the universe was made up of chaos. Oh. There was complete chaos. Okay. Now, they never ventured to ask the question, what is behind the chaos? Right. So, the chaos is given. The so, the chaos is a priori. That, yeah. That's what it starts off. And from there, the order was brought about by God. Okay. Now, that was okay, you know, about 2,000, 3,000 years ago. But now, we try to interpret God, not merely as one who brings about order, or one who brings about life. You know, the concept of, our concept of God is, He is the absolute creator. Yeah, yeah. And once you have the absolute creator, then He has to bring this out of nothing. Yes. Then the problem is, from a classical physicist's point of view, we know what nothing is. But from your quantum mechanics, it's very difficult actually. Right. So, philosophically and theologically, we are still struggling to grapple with this notion of this kind of that vacuum fluctuation as nothing and then the next question we will ask is uh, what is it that causes this vacuum fluctuation i know it is an illegitimate question for you but then that is the the mental game goes on so nothing has replaced the aristotelian conception of space and therefore vacuum so in a sense we are in a state of limbo and right 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 Right. Professor Reddy, let me move to you and ask you this somewhat lame question, maybe of what exactly is happening up there in the sky. Let's say, I'm not going into interplanetary space, but let's say in right. very higher, in See, upper atmosphere. What's <coughs> happening there? And when, when we say vacuum, That's how right. wrong or right is the laymanish conception of vacuum? See, there? if you see the golden days when the space, okay, the sky, even all this research started, everybody. If you yeah. think is a vacuum. Yeah. Then concepts came, I think, ether, ether. these concepts yes, came, right? Yes. Then later on, of course, uh, then in a, uh, what happened, they, uh, is, is, you don't exist, as Professor Muki said, it's an abstract and very idealistic situation as vacuum is concerned. Uh-huh. So I also don't, uh, I mean, I agree with them, it's... Uh, 
there is a matter is present may may not be in a, you know the is uh, in the matter is not insufficient but and how does one understand that from an order of magnitude standpoint when you say matter is present uh, 6000 70000 kilometers above yes it uh, order of goes earth. in for example if you see around 6 70000 kilometers from here yeah then maybe you will find fiber uh six uh, uh, particles this charged matter per centimeter cube five or six per centimeter cube yes it is right. it is quite less yeah. but <laughs> that may not be people thought how it's see one beaver from german scientist yeah. he could first you know see the solar wind right. without nothing no vacuum or anything right. it's continuously this charged matter is coming right. and he could detect it right so of course then it came later on parker models and all he introduced the equations for solving the solar wind yes it does come from the sun mm-hmm. it's, it's not from anywhere else mm-hmm. so that was the you see you have to start with near our laboratory which is available to us test things yes uh, i think that time was the best available laboratory was sun and near nearby sun of course so they could uh, see that there is no such thing as vacuum Right, I, right. I still agree with Professor Mukhi that it can be in a quantum level and very abstract, uh, maybe. But at uh, more macroscopic scale, the scales that we're talking scale, about, but, the uh, interplanetary space is that vacuum? I mean, is there I, vacuum? I, I, does I, uh, vacuum have a natural existence at all? There is no, there is no such thing as vacuum, as right. far as we are concerned. Right. At least in the natural laboratory is concerned. Right. But we look into it. so it is it is a matter is there only right. the concerning the as you said density you know our spatial scale how if here how much and you go little away from that how much it is right in terms right. of spatial scales also temporally it will be changing right so right these are the things uh, so that's that's what uh, i we i feel right 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 and professor mukhi how different is the microscopic space uh and 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 when we speak about casimir effect for example and how is it that there seems to be something in the middle of nothing and and again let's maybe touch upon the electron positron appearing out of nowhere and then vanishing into nowhere so then that sounds pretty fascinating to a layman obviously but how would you think of that yeah so all of these concepts came out in the birth of with the birth of quantum theory okay uh which um replaced uh, to to a large extent the certainties we had about objects yes. with uh, probabilities statements yes. about probability of an object being somewhere or not being somewhere yeah 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 and that in itself still was okay it was adding relativity as father mentioned relativity when it was to be combined with quantum mechanics that made things even more difficult mm-hmm. um for a reason which maybe i can even tell you a technical reason you know supposing i had to um produce two particles out of nothing and right. try to satisfy the laws of physics which say momentum and energy are conserved that's right now momentum is easy because if i produce two particles they would go off back to back correct and they would have equal and opposite momentum that cancels correct. but energy we are told is always positive so how on earth can you produce two particles of a positive energy and have the energies add up to zero that's not possible right. that's right so this this was a kind of because energy and momentum come linked with each other in relativity yeah this whole yeah. thing was very puzzling and in the end what you know what really 
quantum theory said was that all right there's a principle which says we can violate this energy momentum conservation uh -huh. as long as we don't do it for very long over oh. very short time scales okay and uh, then it turned out that's exactly what happens or it's a picture of what happens that mm -hmm. from the vacuum which should be empty mm -hmm. even the ideal vacuum let's assume that there's a there are Think scientists who are vacuum. able to extract all matter out of instead of five particles in a cc let's imagine that somebody is so clever to remove all the particles okay. from their cubic centimeter okay. even then uh, there will be random processes mm -hmm. in which a particle and antiparticle pair will be produced they will violate energy momentum conservation but they'll also disappear again in back into the vacuum so fast that it won't contradict any law of physics and how fast is that how fast is that duration that would depend on the energy with which they are produced right, uh, right. but uh, you know typically we are talking of time scales that are way below anything that a human being can practically comprehend uh, well we can comprehend as an equation you know can right. always write 10 to the minus but 10 perceive, seconds or 10 to the minus 20 seconds not human but time scale it's not a human time scale at all right yes. but are these virtual particles or these particles really really come to being or maybe it's a heideggerian kind of question but are do these do these particles come into being or they're just equations uh so that was a actually that question for a long time was just exactly as you say was it just an interpretation just equations right, right. uh until two things happened one was as uh, as you mentioned the casimir effect uh -huh. which is a measurable effect okay now if the measurable effect comes from a calculation which starts with this assumption of virtual particles right then you know you could say that they are real otherwise why should the effect be measurable Right, but why is it that Casimir effect works at only very very small distance? Because scales? the effect is very small. Right, right, right. In fact, right. I should share with you. I once met Professor Casimir, uh -huh. and uh, that was quite an experience in the eighties. <laughs> and of course, I went and talked to him about his uh, his effect. Okay. <laughs> and <laughs> and he said what I didn't know, and I still don't find in the literature that much that. he was working for philips company he was not working in a university though he was a very accomplished right. physicist in right. and he says they came the engineers came to him and said when we take a tip of a probe very close to our transistor or whatever our terminal of our little yes. electronic yeah. device yeah at the last moment it jumps as if it's attracted right now these are very tiny things and right. this is they came to me to find right. an explanation <laughs> and you know they thought it would be an engineering explanation but it was actually fundamental physics wow 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 so that's very interesting that's very interesting but why is it that and maybe it's a question addressed to both you and uh, professor pandika too why is it that only very small particles are coming out of an effect of this nature and why i mean why isn't the equivalent of a sun and an anti sun mm -hmm. coming out of a process like that oh that's easy so the the theory called quantum electrodynamics has what we call a coupling constant which determines yeah. the strength of all interactions yeah. and very roughly the value of that is 1 by 137 so oh, favorite so really number small. in physics uh. it's as it is small <laughs> now if you wanted to make a sun you would have to do 1 by 137 raised to the number of particles that you yeah. want to produce yeah. and that would be i mean this is only 0.01 but if you raise it to the power 100 or million or a billion then it's unthinkably small number right so that's so it, why these effects even, it's not even a probability uh, it is a probability but it's a ridiculous it's it's zero i mean it might as well right. just be zero except right. on very small scales right 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 that's very interesting how would you react to that uh, kuru is there 
is there something similar at work when um, when the universe gets created when galaxies come to be um uh see that is actually up to the scientists to answer of course see as philosophers as theologians all that we can do is say is you do your work and we will join you in marveling at this and then of course we can give reflections now one of the, our difficulties is of course you know to study this quantum mechanics requires so much mathematics and that requires so many years therefore it's a little difficult to comprehend the theory and i heard so many so many scientists themselves saying they don't understand quantum mechanics so given this uh, structure of understanding and given the paradoxes raised by this uh, quantum yeah. mechanics yeah. all that we can say is we want you to research further uh, einstein certainly would not have been very happy with the present situation yeah. now <laughs> we all that we can say is if god has decided this way who are we to <laughs> fight against it no we also don't understand the whole Mm, permutations combinations we don't understand also why this uh, microscopic microscopic to macroscopic things are so difficult there is another very important issue for us yes that is traditionally at least we understand god as the first cause the cause of all things yes cause is we yes the given your uh, quantum mechanical interpretation of events especially you know the wave equations and the copenhagen interpretations it lo- appears that causality may not be functioning at that level oh Now, is that so so there yes at the quantum mechanical level everything causality. goes by probability so there is no direct cause effect relationship but is there is there systemic causality or is, even that is not there it may not be there at the level of that particle but it's a question of, of it's a question of interpretation but at least a predominant school would say causality cannot be really fixed see causality means a certain chase there you know if i shoot him and die then there is a definitive effect yes. there is a one to one correspondence yeah. if if one out of 10 particles shoot the fellow and die then it's a very difficult thing right? <laughs> so you see i mean what we really need is we need to rethink rethink our conception of reality yeah and of god yeah and it will come surely but it will take a lot more of time because the quantum mechanical revolution is only about 100 years old mm-hmm. how long do you expect it to take another uh, 100 200 years we no, need but the a problem, lot more no the problem is by by the time theology and philosophy catches up with this <laughs> the physics will have got no but it is not not only for philosophy and theology actually it's a question for the human society of course for humanities for society as a whole to i mean one thing is you know you have got to marvel at the ingenuity of the physicists Right. We have got to really marvel at the beauty of nature. You know, it is so complex, no one can imagine it. The beauty of nature. And right. out of this complexity, we can, you know, we can walk around, move around and uh, make ourselves, I mean, that way we need to really just stand in awe, be fascinated, be enamored by it. That is another thing. Now, correspondingly, we need to change radically the way we understand nature the way we understand and appreciate god see yeah. god god is the first creator that is perfectly okay in the newtonian age right. but not today 
right so we need to reinvent the concept of god and connected with that is a god for god's sake that is not our aim right. our aim is god in relation to human beings our spiritual aspirations see for instance today quantum quantum mechanics it becomes obvious that all of us are interconnected Yes. deeply and i mean it is a real interconnectedness not the so called uh, the chaos theory type mm. right, mm. right 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 so we right. are interconnected to such an intimate level so my suggestion would be let us remain at that level of wonder and amazement but mm-hmm. at the same time try to reformulate our understanding of god of ourselves and of our human society right 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 so you know i have two questions and maybe we'll just uh, lob it back and forth on on for the next few minutes does this concept of pair production in any way has to do with the fact that there are only dipoles in in magnetism i mean are north and south <coughs> poles in any way analogous to particle and antiparticle so of course north and south pole are quite analogous to particle and antiparticle mm-hmm. but uh, you know the you could in principle have three or four or 10 things produced at one go uh-huh. it just becomes less and less probable so the pair production is simply the is the simplest process you can think of it's right. not by any means the only one and given that it's a probabilistic kind of world out there are there non integer number of particles coming out as well or well since they are not real particles since they are they are yeah. sort of there for an undete- undetectable period and if they were detectable then it would violate some law of course so we don't get into the <laughs> question really of how many that. there are right. rather we sum so there's a well defined summation which we perform and that sums over all possible numbers of these processes right. per unit time and we get something and right. the thing is what we measure at the end not the intermediate steps right professor ready what do you have to say to that do you do you feel or think that there's a link between the concept of dipoles and the pair production in some form and uh, how would you think of magnetism in the context of vacuum and how is it that i mean if, even if there were to be an absolute vacuum would a magnet still attract something on the other side of it actually there is the, that's what as professor mukhi right he said the easiest way to visualize is the dipole simplest right. one Uh, but uh, creating uh, is monopole we can't visualize it because you are maxwell why don't monopoles exist why is it that they don't exist and it's obviously an unanswered question we can't see together unanswered question some other new <laughs> theories <laughs> and his uh, some new theories maybe have to be evolved right the, the present set of equations and theory may not uh, help us to even visualize the sort according to me as a macroscopic theories which electromagnetic theories which are concerned Right. So, so let me ask you there's obviously you know there's a, a meaningful distance between sun and earth yes. and if 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 the density of the atmosphere at the kind of heights you were talking about 70000 kilometers is 5 to yes. know, 7 particles per cc clearly there would be densities lower than that between earth and sun yes yes you see so the, what the, how does energy and matter end up traveling all see, this way this, and what the, what happens the, what happens the sun basically can, is like a, it's not a stable it's agitated continuously it's agitated ma- okay. agitated okay. it will be continuously matter is emitting from the sun right. other than the with these photons which right. is radiation right but uh, this is the actual matter comes out of the sun of uh-huh. the gravitational pull uh-huh. and then not only it comes along along the interplanetary space moving away from the sun right. radially right. also it carries along with that the magnetic field of the earth oh they are linked okay. 
so that is we call it frozen in condition is frozen to the field these particles so the particles are frozen to the to magnetic the f- field. field so these magnetic uh, these are charged particles basically hydrogen right 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 and uh, of course uh, he he but very minor he he plus right so these as they come along into the interplanetary space mm-hmm. if you are happen to be in the in their direction yeah our earth yeah and then they can i mean hit the earth directly uh-huh. uh, i mean we are fortunate enough we have the earth's magnetic field is shielding us right right had it right. been us magnetic field it would have gone and interacted with the ozone layer and squeezed out holes it would have made and squeezed out all the atmosphere and all right but uh, this magnetic field protects us from the is kind of acts as a shield right then it compresses in the we call it is uh, in the facing the sun to it can up to 10 or around 60000 kilometers wherein okay. the in the night side we call it crosses beyond the moon so it goes to beyond the moon means maybe around 100 re 100 re means beyond 100000 kilometers almost. yeah 1 re is 6000 100 100 re it goes right so 60, it goes beyond right. it's like a stretches in the back side right. it's called tail right. in the night but still these particles cannot enter straight away into mm-hmm. the magnetosphere we call this the whole thing is a magnetosphere mm-hmm. if you don't have a, a, these particles from the sun it's just like a dipole field is earth as a dipole sitting at the center correct right correct. it's because correct. of the local current the local electromagnetic fluid correct. moving in the liquid outer core that continuously generates the magnetic field correct so that is again a very complicated issue how the sustainability yeah you can do that but yeah. you can generate but is it is it continuously growing i mean field is decreasing again magnetic field of the oh it's decreasing yes it's called we call secular variations in the long term there are short but is that just variation or that's decrease Uh, these va- you see the secular variations in the magnetic field they are order of the years you can find right. them it like is the in solar spots for example for yes, the sun spots so we call sun spots similar to that even us magnetic field right. is decreasing but not necessarily not necessarily that it will be off but it may be a pole wandering we call them right it may be pole may be moving pole wandering pole wandering right. From, uh, right 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 it may be moving from not now right now we are 2011 degrees of the north pole geographic yes. north yes. pole yes yes so this pole wandering can happen but they are expecting like uh, quite a long number like maybe thousands of years millions but it may be much faster right the way in which is going right. these observations in the antarctica and even in the greenland all these shows right one side is increasing one side is decreasing Right. So of course why I'm saying this once this magnetic field of course this flip takes couple of years it doesn't abruptly does Right so during that time what happens to the fate is not only to the I mean uh, human beings but all living creatures yes of course, of course of course of course that's that's a puzzling it's a phase uh, transition almost right yes and, yes right, then right, uh, right. people used to say dinosaurs got extinct during that time right that's what uh, the right so i mean in a way what i hear you saying is that even at the kind of heights that you're speaking about yeah. it's not uniform density it's, it's, the density see, at the you, poles would be different from the actually you're you you you're dis- 
basically the medium is not homogeneous yeah. it's non homogeneous yeah and that also drives lot of space kind of we call them instabilities right it does because you then pressure variations comes into picture because of that correct then then temperature variations right and these are plasma supports lots of instabilities unlike yeah. which we hear in the unlike the other states of matter yes <laughs> but if you say uh, like for example in the ordinary gas sound waves you see correct usually it is through collisions you can find is the, this plasma is like what we call in uh, ancient times like you know there are more important four important factors like you know earth water fire and air right correct i'll put it this way they call it start with water i think water earth air, fire air we put right. it this way uh, earth water air and fire so fire is plasma plasma so you can you can, you can you can uh, it's inherently volatile and agitated yes agitated and, and, and right, uh, right right so these these do do essentially the system is highly complex yeah you take any system you go beyond the earth or galactic or the highly nonlinear we call it is no longer a linear system right. to treat whether it is stochastically or even mathematically right you so that put you know lot of constraints on the modeler or analyst and whoever does the theory or even model so because system inherently nonlinear right so how right. to deal with nonlinearity right and professor mukhi is at microscopic and really small subatomic levels is that space agitated as well or it's relatively calm or how does one visualize that and clearly we are, yeah. we seem to be in the territory of virtual particles it looks like it's it. it's not just about uh, virtual particles rajat there's another thing which perhaps is even more you know virtual particles is somehow the uh, one of the yeah. most exotic developments in thinking yeah. about the vacuum yeah. but there's one which is actually much simpler and still very dazzling which is that uh, the universe is filled with what is called the cosmic microwave background radiation yes of course and this is a form of radiation which is at 2.7 uh, uh, kelvin 2.7 degrees above absolute zero yeah and it's a stunning fact that you know this is radiation yeah. and radiation is not matter in the sense of electrons or it doesn't carry is, is charge it dark energy? but it's an, it's not this is not dark energy it's this not, is much pretty so dark energy is yet another uh, story another about the vacuum yes <laughs> but even this is a 60s discovery basically that yeah. uh, the universe is full of this radiation yeah. and the interpretation is that this is evidence for the big bang in which the universe originated right and right. Uh, right. and and that this the radiation coming from that bang that event when the universe was very small uh, uniformly spread throughout this tiny universe and because it was tiny yeah. it could spread and then it it it's been uniform so the important right. thing is the uniformity of it it's unthinkable that a signal you get by looking this way in the sky a uh, uh, you know phenomenal distance away in one direction of the sky and the other direction of the sky the that you would see the same temperature it's really dazzling right i mean right. father if you referred to the beauty of nature i think this is right. one of those right. dazzling beauties that and we believe this explains this uh, big this supports the big bang theory and and uh, contradicts the steady state theory which was until then the alternative theory of the universe right so at the level of the universe would it be fair to say that the temperature is about 2.7 kelvin that's exactly the temperature of the universe is 2.7 in a way it's the opposite terrain of the plasma world which which seems to be 
more like fire as you just pointed out from an analogous mm. sense um but right right in right. fact if i can tell you something funny about yeah, this please. it didn't strike me for a long time uh, but my colleagues at iser pune yeah. routinely produce lower temperatures than that in their lab when they do ultra high vacuum systems to to study various kinds yeah. of physical processes uh-huh. so they talk of milli kelvins micro kelvins <laughs> nano kelvins so in fact literally their lab that a little bottle in their lab will be cooler than the average a temperature of the universe wow and the large hadron collider in geneva likewise yeah. is the largest place in the universe that's much cooler than the universe that's beautiful that's beautiful so and tell me is there is there a parallel between absolute zero and vacuum are they equally unattainable um and is there i mean we mm. we seem to agree that there's no such thing as naturally occurring vacuum but is there it I mean, obviously, the average temperature may be two point seven Kelvin, but is there a place at all anywhere in the universe which could be absolute zero, or it's again a mathematical impossibility? If 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 you're right, and yeah, it's more like a mathematical possibility because you know, so human beings have made temperatures of nano Kelvin, so that's yeah. that's ten to the minus nine degrees. Right. That's right. pretty. That's staggeringly close to zero. Right. But right. But it's not zero. Right. Right. So, right. Yeah. Is this in any way linked to the concept of the cosmological constant, or no? No. That, that so there is... are. So these are all the indep- in, de- independent, possibly interlinked. So the the microwave background radiation is just radiation. It's just Correct. a form of light that happens to be everywhere and creates right. a temperature. Right. Right. And it's not any more a puzzle. Actually, the interesting puzzles are in the fluctuations of this. But the average value is quite okay. comfortable. Okay. Excellent. Thankfully, there's something solved out. <laughs> yeah, many things of like of this nature are solved from our point of view. They may, may be interesting to father to think about the whole overall picture of nature, but of as a, as a technical thing, they are solved. So right. that one is. Right. Uh, now you were asking about. Uh, I was asking uh, about the cosmological the constant. Cosmological and in a constant, way, maybe. And earlier you asked about dark matter. Yes. So dark matter again is something that uh, you know. Um, so for example, let's say in this room. Yeah. Not dark. Well, there's dark matter, obviously, because. Because we believe it's everywhere, yeah. but there are other things like neutrinos or muons in this room which you can't see. And they'll just If you put a little them. muon detector on you, it would fit on this table, right. and it would be beeping every few seconds right. as a muon passes through and decays in it. Right. So you know the universe is full of all kinds of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> even when you don't see it. What is cosmological constant? But the cosmological constant is different. That's actually the energy density of the vacuum. Yeah. And the puzzle is why should the vacuum have an energy density? That's right. So the log, you know, Einstein's original equation said if you don't put matter, there'll never, there won't be any energy density, which Because is a more logical. The, the equation said that. That was before he knew that the universe was expanding. Uh, that's before he added his famous term. Uh, called the cosmological constant lambda, term, right. lambda. Right. So without that, there's a more logical setup, if you like. That when there's matter, then there's uh, energy, and when, when there's, there's no matter, matter there's, there's no energy, energy and everyone is enough. happy. Right. So then Einstein added this term, and he regretted it and kept saying it was the biggest mistake Blunder of his the life. <laughs> But then, until only. Ten or fifteen years ago, we thought that was actually zero, so we were happy with you know th- the term was right. not used in the sixties, seventies, eighties. Yeah. Not, I mean, it was it, it was, was an there, experimental question. The term was possible, but it, people thought it's zero. Right. Now it turns out that it's extremely small but positive, not right. zero. Right. So that's the energy. That's the cosmological constant or energy density of the universe. Right. And right. there's no a priori. It doesn't come from matter. It's just an energy density of the universe. That's it. and that's what keeps the 
universe accelerating so that's certainly a part of yeah, that's a part of so the acceleration so the universe is expanding in any case mm-hmm. but the expansion itself is speeding up a little bit that is accelerating so not at not expanding at a uniform rate but at an at ever an increasing rate, rate. Right. and that ex- so that is what uh, so that yeah is attributed to in fact that's what is observed right. and the attribution via theory is to the cosmological constant right but this this point in time in space when the uh, pair production happens for example if we go back to that for a second um, that is obviously a moment and is there for a very very brief while like you mm. mentioned is that in any way analogous to the big bang because obviously when the big bang mm. happens it's again a very small i mean i don't clearly there's mm-hmm. no place for a big bang to happen in mm-hmm. and it's very difficult to visualize um but no, you know I, what i mean because yeah, I know what you mean, before the, the big bang yeah. happens it's really small and tiny and it's kind of there um and well the, the difference is that before the big bang there was really nothing the big bang is supposed to be the origin of the universe now you can right. ask why and how right but uh, it's understood as the first moment of time there was no t before that moment correct correct uh, while the other processes you referred to like pair production and so on are just happening all the time, time. even they're as we talk they're time. just going on happening Right, right, right. Um, Professor Pandikattu, what does Heidegger and some of the other is, people have to say me, to let, that? Let me get back to that. Yeah. So, at the moment of Big Bang, there was no space-time, but there was energy or infinite uh, energy? Yes, I guess uh, you have to assume that there was an energy at that moment, yes, yes. But not prior to, so somehow that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but that's what I so, want to know, that somehow that's the problem we are dealing it's with. It's the word somehow, which is the yeah. loaded word, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Right. I find this, no, it's a it's loaded a word question. and of course nobody claims to know in detail of what course. the Big Bang was about. <laughs> but it's a fascinating thing because, you know, the Big Bang is a moment of creation. So, you know, until Big Bang was believed in, scientists would have said, well, we don't necessarily have to believe in the concept of creation. In fact... No, uh, but Einstein had to kind of turn lambda to zero um, and, and, you know, look, you just mentioned that in the last 10-15 years or so, the interest in cosmological constant has kind of... No, so cosmological back. constant is independent of the Big Bang. I but mean, it, the Big Bang has... So there's the, no revisiting yeah. the steady state theory or whatever... No, Professor not because... Not due to the cosmological constant. Not because of that. Cosmological constant, if you like, is a little tweak over the Big Bang. It makes the Bang not just create... Uh, a uniform... Uh, a uniform... Thing, but an accelerating expansion. Right, right. So right. I, from that point of view, it's a tweak, of course, a very important one. Right. But right. the Big Bang uh, itself uh, right. was very challenging because the alternate theory. So just let's think in terms of uh, yeah. cosmo that the the religious picture of what yeah, was the origin. Of so the Hindu view is uh, goes very well with the steady state universe that is eternal into the past and that eternal maybe uh, that sort of goes through cycles. Of as timeless, eternal. Timeless, world. but goes yeah. through cycles. Uh, of different uh, phases. Yeah, yeah. As some people would speak about. Like, speak Eternal about. recurrences, exactly. Yeah. Things yeah. like that. Yeah. While on the other hand, the Big Bang really is, a, is if you like, you know, a scientist always is, you be, we tread delicately on the field of religion because we don't perhaps know. But uh, <laughs> it, it is a let there be light kind of moment. Uh, right, you know, you can't it's help admitting that there was something where it was announced, where it where it happened, you know, who did it, how it happened. Guru, what would, what would Spinoza or Heidegger or some of these people say about, and obviously they thought about yeah, it for a very long actually, time, yeah. but most of them kind of predated the quantum mechanical yeah, period. Heidegger only died, I mean, about 25, uh, 20 years ago, but you know, That's right. he was also not that conversant with this. But be that as may, you see, 
the the assumption this is the question i want to bring before you the assumption that god created the universe uh, with a beginning or without a beginning see for us believers whether be bible christians or hindus actually it is immaterial mm. see science is supposed to find how the universe came about that's yeah. fine yeah religion or god is the why of the universe yeah and you know our religious assumption simply says simply says right one the universe whatever be the process steady state or anything the universe is totally dependent on god yeah it's a question of dependency and second if i may use the word you the universe is created out of love that is a religious assertion yeah it is the physics which would say the universe came out of nothing or and that is up to the physics to define it so these two things that finally all of us in the beginning and in the sustenance and towards the end we are totally dependent on god therefore yeah. we can actually happily surrender ourselves to god yeah and this god is a god of love therefore in the all unfolding in the whole marvel of the universe including in its sufferings and in its uh, uh, you, can, you can use the word fire yeah the god of love may be experienced Right. That, is, that is all that we, the claim we make in theology. See, that is... But where do the two meet? And that's, that's the whole point, isn't it? I mean, we, I understand that. I'm mm. clearly the, 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 two, the, the two wide meet, distinction. Meet means the science and the religion. Yes. Uh, science is very good at the empirical level. Science, see, the, the, the trick which science uses is like mathematics. You define one by zero... as an operation that is not possible right it's the way you define it out right. it's a singularity moment right in the same way big bang yeah it is the somehow we don't know it's also a singularity moment therefore these are things the empirical level of how that is the level of science let us leave that realm to science yeah of course we learn from them we interact that is fine yeah but the deepest why why is there something that the question which why is there posed, something rather than nothing yes yeah that can only be answered by religion if at all there is an answer and you know the the whole thing is with all our honesty sincerity we should be humble in searching for god yeah you cannot control god yeah we with our grandiose intelligence we may think that we can control god a god who can be controlled by our mind ceases to be a god no yes of course because then is inside us in yes yeah, exactly right so, so the immanence versus transcendence in a way right it's yeah. this so right. let us let us humbly bow down before the transcendence of god knowing fully well that he will take care of us our destiny our future right right but right. how he does that it is through all these events so they the empirical level right right so you see you know some some people especially the christians were very happy that science came up with the big bang theory and they thought you know because it is big bang there is a beginning therefore god is the beginning yeah there is an I, act to perform yeah right see right. the point is if you are an, if you are a when believer when did this conception come to be guru uh, from when did this go from chaos to creation that was in the old testament story of creation that genesis story of creation if you read carefully never is the word used nothingness there was void there was confusion that things were there but right there was no word uh, 
you know nothingness because you know it's very simple you see that nothingness i suppose that is introduced by our indian mind you see that zero and nothingness they are together so that was not there at that time right so, right theology and religion essentially speaks about a world that is dependent on god yeah how that world is look around and see right theology and religion also talks about the fact that we each one of us are loved and we are considered precious by this loving god and professor mukhi what would be the and it's 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 probably heretical at some level but what is god for physics okay no it's not heretical i think you know many physicists have said uh, their piece about it and uh, one was in fact uh, uh, stephen hawking when he was in bombay in 2001 yeah. Yeah. was asked at a press conference uh, yeah. where i was uh, present uh, do you believe in god and he answered i use god as a metaphor for the laws of nature yes of course and uh, i don't think that's in contradiction with anyone else's view it but it scientists but are very cautious that obvious question of who sets and maybe there doesn't need to be a who yeah yeah so we are very cautious because we have no idea how to address that question right you can right. address it through having faith that there is someone but using scientific method to find out is not, uh, nobody is not really has any good idea right. and i think many people would say that's not what you want to do in the first place that's right. not the the right. point of god is not to make a measurement and say the result of this measurement of is course, god the course. point of god is to do with the 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 reason why we are here and the feeling we feel of uh, spirituality or of love or of 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 a sense of something bigger than us right. so it's not in that way measurable therefore scientists i think don't by and large talk about it it's not right. that it's not that there's a it's not at all you know heretical it's just that one doesn't have something clever intelligent to say about it right, about the topic, right, right. concept and if you go back to our uh, concept of vacuum and just try to visualize it physically how is it it looks like the temperature broadly speaking at the level of the universe is 2.7 kelvin or whatever that number is is it dark is it lighted i know it, i mean for 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 you to perceive it from this sense of sight it obviously has to require a person perceiving it and then what what is the what wavelengths are these electromagnetic radiations at uh professor reddy and is there is is there an all pervasive electromagnetic radiation is that the same rb you were speaking about sure electromagnetic radiation i don't call it right but uh, you have this uh, uh, as i said earlier charge in matter is there yeah. everywhere yeah. including cosmic rays and yeah. other particles but uh, essentially uh, ultimately the understanding what who what is driving this of course yes. there we 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 physicists how busy is it how busy is space in general if we were to just go out to the proverbial outer space yes yeah, so it's quite uh, i mean it's if quite active if you were to take a ride from here to the sun okay is, you it, take, is it very busy or it's yeah, mostly of course empty? it's it's not a dull environment it's right. not dull it's like quite active right so it's not uh, you lots of wave activities there it's like yeah. a bubbling kind of thing it's uh, right Uh, right that waves drive the you know there are free energy sources which drive the waves what are free energy sources so in terms of uh, temperature difference yeah there is also yeah. energy yeah yeah and uh, in homogeneities that also can drive pressure yeah yeah and these kind of waves can 
excite themselves these waves a different kind of wave mode they can excite themselves no not exciting themselves with the right conditions yeah there are there in the plasma this medium can support different waves right. but right conditions are met that they can particular wavelength they can excite yeah then they can interact with the uh, this particles around yeah and then see one important concept i will tell you here how the even the charged matter comes in inside the magnetosphere right. and they cannot cut across the field lines and go just like that of cross course. diffusion they cannot do it so the reconnection if you have if your solar wind is flowing sorry from the yeah. sun okay yeah then it 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 doesn't encounter as long as the planet so it keeps flowing it may be going beyond helio uh pause and right, maybe right. going outside the planets right but again there you need a diffusion process how they can cut cross diffusion what is the process one should look into so it so this this must be the phenomenon of auroras for example aurora is quite local phenomenon it's it it's is very local yes, lo- it is local and it's uh, bound to where the magnetic fields are there yeah. is a planet yeah. so then there is a called magnetic reconnection right it's very important concept came through of right it. so that during magnetic re- reconnection what happens this magnetic energy will be converted into particle kinetic energy so wow. that that right. that still it's a lot of debates there is going on right. because empirically I mean mathematically not yet proved yet right simulations and heavy all these things show how local is magnetic energy in magnetic field so for example I mean, would would the earth's magnetic field be felt on pluto at all or uh not us magnetic field but if you certainly will you will have the uh, sun's magnetic field is is felt throughout the planet system right. but that holds the, the but does the strength of the that magnetic field is, how linear or non linear is no that? no it re- it decreases going away from that but right. even however small it is right it does play a role in terms of the i call it magnetic reconnection for example you take the us magnetic field yeah. it's, it's if you see the we call it day side yes. it is a, a it is pointing up north okay yes whereas if uh, if your sun's magnetic field coming along with the yeah. uh, particles yeah. charged part, charged dust we can call particles yes fits happen to be opposite to that yeah the night side they are in uh, the day side right then Correct. one is up one one is down one is up Correct. then we call this reconnection takes That's place the there actually that is a channeling for the particles to That's enter how those particles actually enter, enter. the atmosphere then it drives the whole convection inside the uh, magnetosphere right then they go again in the tail side which right. is again opposite field lines there is an almost zero field we cannot in the quantum level it cannot be zero yeah. but there is a very very small magnetic field at the center you right. can for all practical purposes we can take zero right then again the reconnection takes place in the night side right then these particles whatever derived from the solar wind they can go enter into the inner right magnetosphere right. then they go along the field lines are connected to the whole uh magnet uh, connected to the earth right. then but those distances what we look this reconnection processes yeah. they get into the ionosphere yeah. but again still puzzling thing is they get highly energized like you know 100 kev 
right. they start with 10 ev or something like that right but right. 100 kv 200 kv they get very highly energetic and right. electrons get energized so when, when is the magnetic they go, connection higher is it during the day or the night no it is the daytime we call it is magnetic but the right conditions as i said right the solar wind it should have a magnetic field along with it it should have a southward come it is southward oriented right because our magnetic field of the earth is fixed all the time right right, right now right so then in some sense whether or not there's a particle inside that certain height in the atmosphere has to do with this phenomenon of magnetic reconnection and that because magnetic kind of reconnection is only the gating factor of sorts almost no it 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 only has the opposite field lines to come closer right 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 so that right. Uh, maybe it's a good place and time to think about gravity and yes. gravitation forces and right. um how does one think about the difference between qed and qcd vacuum or um, what are they to begin with and um are the similarities the similarities between the two okay so gravity actually doesn't come in when you talk about qed and qcd so these okay. qed and qcd are basically the Uh, two forces of electromagnetism and the so-called strong nuclear interactions, Correct. which are two independent forces. Okay. We talk of QED vacuum, which is the place, the bubbling place I mentioned, where particles yeah. like yeah. electrons and positrons are created and destroyed in pairs. Yeah. And I told you it's a very weak phenomenon because the the interaction strength in in QED is very small. Correct. It's basically the square of the electron charge. Correct. <coughs> QCD on the other hand is the theory of strong nuclear interactions there the interaction strengths are much stronger mm-hmm. much larger but is there such a thing as a QCD And vacuum as well so the term QCD vacuum is commonly used uh-huh. uh, now the true vacuum in the universe is bo- is the both because you cannot turn one or other of these forces off, off. if they are bubbling they are bubbling everywhere that's right so that's the true right. vacuum is every the vacuum of everything Correct. but the QCD vacuum is one which is theoretically hard to study because of the strength of the interaction okay. and so what is the correct picture of the qcd vacuum remains to some extent an open question while the okay. qed vacuum is largely a settled largely question largely a settled issue right yeah. right right so qcd vacuum people propose all kinds of condense condensates of fields and so on largely again as a vac being a vacuum it's not something you can observe but if you can make a sensible picture of it yeah. then i could then you could say for example how protons are really formed yeah. out of that because protons yeah. are the prototype of what is a bound state due to strong interactions the the quarks inside are bound by the strong interactions right right so again right. it's uh, the, the vacuum of qcd is only interesting to know what is what are the things in qcd as compared to the vacuum which is the nothing correct correct it's a comparative question correct 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 now that's very interesting and does the conception of time change with 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 scale i mean does it um how does one think of the concept of time because obviously big bang you know we create a time from a pure physics standpoint uh, we we touched upon the eternal recurrence and the cosmic cycles at some level and that seems to be just a more circular kind of conception of time um what does theology could have to say about time in general and and is if the universe is accelerating is is there a difference between a one second today and a one second many 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 uh millennia later or or because it, it it somehow seems very difficult to come to terms with that time is the same thing in a universe which is expanding at an accelerating rate right 
Well, as far as time changing from one uh, period of one epoch to the other, you shouldn't worry. Time can even change right now. When uh, so, I'll give you a nice example how time changes. Yeah. <laughs> the muons which are coming through this uh, yeah. your ceiling of your room right now. Yeah. Uh, they have a very tiny lifetime. Right. Less than a second. Right. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, they managed to reach uh, Earth from uh, the upper atmosphere where they are created by cosmic rays. And they certainly take many, many seconds to reach the Earth. So how on earth do they reach here, given that their time of transit yeah. is much uh, longer, longer than their, than their time own of lifetime? Existence. Yeah. <laughs> and the answer is yeah. that they're traveling so fast yeah. that the relativistic effect of time dilation yeah. actually makes them experience time more slowly. That's so the, the very fact that they That's are here beautiful. is an evidence for their experiencing time more slowly because of their rapid motion. So anytime you are in rapid motion, yeah. you experience time more slowly relative to the person who is not in rapid motion. Not for yourself. If a muon were conscious, it wouldn't be thinking, well, I am very long lived today. Right. The muon right. is feeling the same whether it's moving or not moving. That's relativity. <laughs> but But... From my point of view, with my clock sitting on Earth, if I measure its lifetime, I find it much longer. Right, right. So time right. does change. Time is relative. That's Einstein said of that. Course, and that's, uh, that's relativity 101. Everyone is shattered by that and we don't know what to do with it. It's just that's how it is. Kuru, I'd what be interested do, how, to know what... Yeah, what, Kuru, uh, how does that fit into, like, w at what pace is time moving for God? God, time is eternity. See, I mean, that's a beautiful concept, But does time actually. pass in God's no, clock? No. See, eternity is classically defined as the simultaneous, total and whole possession of all the activities. Right. You right. See, the imagery is, you know, I am here, we are all here. I see in terms of duration after two, three Correct. seconds. Correct. But God's, let us say, God is sitting on top and he sees all of us now. You see the human past, present, future at the same time. No, it's not only the human, the cosmic past, the, the cosmic, cosmic future. Past, so, in God, the cosmic future is already there. See, right. God has no present, no future. God is always the present, the yeah. eternal now. Now, these are all beautiful, beautiful concepts. It's very now, it is all shattered by this theory of quantum mechanics because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and this is the relativity theory is okay. But quantum mechanics, I hear there is some way of, you know, even reversal of time. No, so I must say, in at fact, I wanted to... Levels, there's no uh, such thing as time, is there? At what? Microscopic oh, sure. levels. We are, so far, we are not sure. As far as we know, there is time at all levels. But okay. uh, people talk about time possibly being emergent. But I do want to respond and maybe reassure but Father aren't, aren't that… But equations time symmetric at, at really small… Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't matter. Time doesn't symmetric mean only that means that you could in principle run a process forward or backward. Or backward. It doesn't mean in practice you can go backward in time. Right. So that re refers to us. It right. simply means the process run one way and the other way looks the same. Look the same. That's, right. uh, that's sort right. of easy. Right. But uh, I think father is worried about whether causality is in trouble. And I should say causality is doing very well in my opinion. <laughs> because uh, all the, fun of the you know quantum field theory on which we base all of contemporary physics has built into it the concept that no signal can propagate backward in time. Simply right. not possible for any information to propagate backward. So all the virtual quantum behavior doesn't day. have the effect of actually propagating information backward. It always propagates forward in time. That's very interesting. And so <coughs> people say that very at least at the mic macroscopic level, 
causality is maintained right 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 but is it because of this entropy or uh... it's uh, not because of it's built into the the theory and the theory is derived from experiments so you know the the the, the, the facts of life teaches mm-hmm. uh, it, it's another way to put it is you know causality has to be true otherwise you could really go back in time and uh, yeah. as they say kill your grandmother <laughs> yeah, and it's simply not you know not to, not only forget going back to your grandmother going back a microsecond going back all the way to god maybe nobody has <laughs> succeeded in making any sense of that forget about actually doing it so it, it's it's Terrific. still not doable i mean there's some things that even quantum physics doesn't Can't do and do. one of them is go back in time terrific that's a great note to end the our discussion on and we we'll look forward to having you soon again thank, thank you. you take care thanks, thanks. so much take care bye